Yeah, keep me by the word. Amen. We're not, I hope you didn't come to hear me this morning. I feel sorry for you if you came to hear me. I came to hear the Lord. And to have God's word taught in, in, in accuracy and in anointing and strength. Amen. Bow your head one more time. We'll ask the Lord to get involved with us as we get into the word today. Father, we acknowledge you, God, and we're not. And you gave us a book. Oh, what a book. The inspired word of God. God, we began the year talking about the Word of God and how supernatural it is, where it came from, how we know that it's not like any other book. I pray that the people who have been with us that long have not forgotten. God, we, we regard Your Word, we honor it, and we have come to set our eyes upon it, to have it taught to us. And we thank You, Father God, that I, I thank You that hearts are open, that minds are alert, that we're not distracted right now. Now, God, help me. Help me to help the people. Help me by speaking through me, anointing me. Give me grace. Cause that gift of the pastor to flow in a strong way out toward the people. Let your mind and let your heart be clearly expressed. And I just so thank you if that will happen. I know it will because we've prayed it in the name of Jesus. That Father, you'll be glorified and the people will leave here having been built up and equipped and helped. We thank you for it again. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as the Lord has led us, you know, I've diverted a little bit here and a little bit there in recent messages, but we've been trying to be uh, on a series called The Local Church or The Church. And uh, so I want to continue talking about that. I wanted to say, if you've not been, I know it's a busy season, able to come uh, and be in attendance with us on the last couple of Wednesday evenings, I encourage you to get on the podcast, go back to the website and listen to those teachings I don't think I've ever taught two series on the spirit of Antichrist before, but I did. And it's not just some, you know, you know, just a Bible lesson. No, it's a very important, timely message, spirit that is at work in the world. That's not from God, that comes right out of hell. And that is sadly influencing and affecting many people today. And, you know, God's on the move, thank God. But, you know, the devil's on the move. And uh, so we want to uh, be able to identify wrong spirits and, and, and the work of the enemy so that we can not fall prey to it, not be overcome by it. Amen. But we're returning this morning to that series in what, in what will be, they tell me, is part six. And I want to talk to us for a little bit this morning about the church, a restraining force. The church is a restraining force in the earth. Amen. Amen. So our golden text for this series has been Matthew chapter 16 and verse number, uh, well, about 16 through 19. Now, Jesus had asked his disciples a question. He had been out and his ministry was public for quite some time at this point. And he asked his disciples, what are people saying about me? Uh, Who do men say? And they, they gave an answer to what they'd heard. People saying this and people saying that about Jesus. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and say, who do you say that I am? Now, this is the greatest question every human being is going to have to answer. And every eternal destiny swings on the answer. Who do you say I am? Talking about Jesus. If you say he's a historical figure, your eternity won't be good. If that's your determination about Him. If you say He was a good religion, 
There's an element of truth to that, but that won't be enough to ensure that you will have life after death the way you want it. You know, every, just, just to remind you, every human being on the planet is a spirit. You're not this, this thing. This is, this is about 95% water and the rest dirt and mineral. That's all. It's a miracle. But really, our bodies are the house of our spirit. You know, the real me, you're not looking at the real me today. The real me is actually looking out at you through these windows we call eyes. Come on, every, whether you're saved or unsaved, you ought to have this consciousness awareness that at some point hits you that you're actually not this, that you're actually just a person living inside this. Especially if you're young, you just wait till you get old. And you'll look at that mirror and go, what has happened to you? That is not me. This this image I see in the mirror because your spirit never ages never age your spirit is an eternal being so God made you a spirit like him and you're going to live somewhere eternally you will never not be you will never not be people who die they're not gone they're gone from earth but they still exist they just went somewhere The question is, where did they go? The Bible teaches two destinations. We could be uh, admitted access into the family of God in a place called heaven. It's got mountains and rivers. He sits on a throne in a temple made with materials. Hello. It's surrounded with walls and gates. And God lives there, and Jesus lives there, and all who died having faith in Him live there. But those that did not die having faith in Jesus as the Son of God, see, that's what you have to say about Jesus. Is He, this is the big question, is He the Son of God? Did the Son of God take on human flesh among men Go to a cross as a sacrifice for sinful man. And have you given your life to this Son of God? If you die having not done that, you go to the other location, which is a place the Bible calls hell. Now, the Bible teaches plainly about hell. Jesus spoke more about hell than He did about heaven. The Bible is full of the Old and the New Testament about this place. It's a location. It's described as being in the heart of the earth. In other words, if you leave here and you're going there, you'll go down. It's a place of darkness. It's a place of uh, eternal torment and eternal punishment. Why? Because God's angry? No, because you chose, you chose, you chose. Your choice, through your actions, you didn't want to submit your life to God. You don't want to live where God lives. You don't want to submit to His authority. You don't want Him to be God in your life. You don't want to have a relationship with Him. And since God is light, hell has to be dark. Since God's the source of all life and healing, then hell's got to be a place of sickness and disease and death. Since God is joyous and peace, right? Then hell is 
the absence of all that is God. So hell is a place of fear and dread, torment. And God has raised me up and every Christian ought to be telling people, listen, hell is real. Don't go there. You don't have to go there. We've all sinned and we all deserve to go there, but God sent His Son to make provision. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe upon Him would not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Eternal life. Amen. And it's, it's, it's incumbent on every human to make a decision. Who is Jesus to you? Now, if you don't have enough information to make a decision, you better get busy. Right? Because dying and then trying to say to St. Pete, I didn't know won't work. Or you telling him what mama told you or what the culture told you or, gosh, I just thought everybody went... It'll be too late at that point. In this life only do we have opportunity to make this eternal decision. And having said a prayer in the fourth grade at Bible school and then living like a heathen the rest of your life, that won't get you there either. Preaching good. Amen. And so let's read this. Uh, text, trying to get to it here. And so in verse 15, Jesus said unto them, But whom say you that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art, or you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed to thee, unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Petrus, you are Peter, you are a little pebble, you are a rock, a piece of rock. That's what that word means. And upon this Petras, this bedrock, this foundation stone, this slab of rock, different thing, I will build my church. Did you see that? Jesus said, I will build my church And the gates of hell, the Greek word there is Hades, the gates of hell will not prevail against it, against the church. Aren't you glad? Amen. Amen. Look at verse 19. And Jesus said, and I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. Trying to get on this, but I'm being urged in my heart about something else. No, I mean, it's not totally. You know, I just sense that there's people listening or in the house that need to make a decision for Jesus. Go over to John chapter 3. We submit the order of service to you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Minister, speak. Minister to people. 
Amen. Got to be careful about praying prayers like that. <laughs> Look at verse uh, 2. I might as well read verse 1, right? There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now Nicodemus, if you knew anything about him, if anyone, if you thought anyone was in line to go to heaven and have eternal life and spend eternity with God, you would have said it would have been Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. That was a, uh, a sect or a group of Jews that prided themselves on their adherence to the Old Testament and their study of it and their teaching of it. So Nicodemus was not just a Pharisee, he was a Pharisee's Pharisee. He was a teacher among Pharisees. So he would have been a fixture in the synagogue. He would have been the most religious person you would have come across. And yet Jesus is telling him, unless he gets something he doesn't currently have, he will not see God's kingdom. Did you know that being a good person won't get you to heaven? Do you know whatever, you're going to have to disregard what the media has told you, what you hear on, in pop music. You know, we are not all God's children. <clears throat> We're all God's creation, but we are not all God's children. So Jesus said, unless a man be born again. And Nicodemus had never heard such a thing, never had that concept before. Let's, let's read his reaction. You can, you can plainly tell it. Yeah. Amen. <clears throat> Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into a second time into his mother's womb and be born? See, he's thinking naturally. Right. He's thinking naturally, isn't he? Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So listen, if the Bible's the Bible, and it is, if the Bible is God's Word, and listen, I am telling you, I've been studying the Bible since the mid-90s. You, this, the Bible is not, you know, our version of the Quran. It doesn't belong on the same shelf with, the, with Wikipedia or the Encyclopedia Britannica or your favorite magazine. This book is supernatural. This man could not have written this book and if he couldn't have. <clears throat> this book is divine. This book is supernatural. And you need to pay attention to it. It has the word of life in it. It has the word of damnation in it. And every human being that's ever been born since the first two humans showed up on the planet by God's creation, Adam and Eve, they're all going to stand before God by themselves in strict judgment. What are they going to be judged by? 
They're going to be judged by what's in this book. Well, I didn't read it. You can't judge me by that. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. This is the revealed will of God to humanity. It, it contains His expectations, His laws, His demands, His judgments, His instructions. Read it, don't read it. Conform to it, don't conform to it. But your eternity, your eternity will depend. Amen. And, and for Christians, we still have our, our eternal destination is secure. Because we have been born again. But we're still headed towards a very strict judgment. Based on what's in this book. Amen. And you'll, you'll either be rewarded. And that's going to affect your eternity. How you experience it. Not where you go, but how you experience heaven. Amen. I mean, if you don't want to be my orderly throughout all eternity, bringing me coffee through for millennia, maybe you should get some reward. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Or you'd have reward withheld from you. Amen. Some people are so flippant and short-sighted, they go, I don't care about that as long as I get in. You're going to care when you get there. You're going to tell when you get there, I promise. Amen. So, praise God. Jesus said, except a man be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I be born again. The, winds, the wind blows where it lists and you hear the sound thereof. But you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Jesus is the one that marveled, saying, You're the best of the best. You're a Pharisee. All you do, you spend your whole life studying the Bible and you don't get it. And there's preachers all over America telling people everybody's okay. God's a God of love. Jesus paid it all. We're all getting in. That there's no hell. They're lying to you. Telling you they're lying to you. It's not what the Bible teaches. Amen. And so just, just like then, you, you know, you couldn't trust. You, don't trust me. You better read the Bible for yourself. Jesus in verse 11 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, we speak what we do know and testify what we have seen, and you receive not our witness. If I have told you of earthly things and you don't believe... How, how will you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Why? That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. Amen. You know, God is not anti-world. He loves the world. God's not anti-gay. God is anti anything that would take you to hell. God is anti anything and everything that would hurt you, that would harm you, that would mess you up, that would rob you and steal from you. And therefore, He is against 
homosexuality. He's against adultery. He's against sexual immorality. Not because he's a prude or trying to rob from anyone a good time. He loves the world. He doesn't want you to get hurt. He doesn't want you to get a disease. Sin brings death with it. Every time. But God loves the world. And listen, sweetheart, God loves you. God loves you. He loves you. Amen. So much that, you know, it's just miraculous, right? How could God have a son? I don't know, but He does. And He gave Him. He gave Him. You read Isaiah 53 sometime tell you that God poured all of His anger and all of His wrath and all judgment on Jesus that day on the cross because He was mad at sin and Jesus became the sacrifice for sin. And that's a father doing that with a son. And when Jesus said, My Father, My Father, why have you forsaken Me on the cross? You can read that in the Gospels. Jesus wasn't being emotional. God turned His back on Him because there was a moment in time where Jesus became sin with your sin. It's love that did that. The world wants to paint Christianity as we're exclusive and hard and and we're not progressive and we're not with the time. Listen, that's all lies. That's all deception. God loves the world. He loves everyone in the world. And He's already sent His Son to pay the price for all of the world's sin. But sweetheart, you have to do something now. What are you going to do? Who is Jesus to you? And it's not enough to Lord my Savior and then stay in a lifestyle of sin. You have to turn from your wicked ways. You have to believe and get this word, obey the gospel. And the Bible says that here in these end times we're living in, that there's coming a day where the wrath of God is going to be poured out on everyone who does not obey the gospel. Amen. So it's in this hour, it's in this time where the gospel, the good news of what Jesus did is being preached to the world to give people opportunity to make a decision. You won't be the exception. There won't be any excuse you could give. And you surely can never say again from this moment, I didn't know. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So he said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Look at verse 17 again. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That's the only way the world's going to make it. only way anyone out there is going to make it is through Him. Well, I've really cleaned up my life and living better since I converted to Islam. Great. That won't get you to heaven. Muhammad didn't die for you, and even if he claimed he did, he didn't. He's not qualified because he's a sinner himself. Only one person. Only one. In all of human existence, all of human history. It was even qualified to get on a cross for somebody else. The spotless, blemishless, holy Son of God. Have you given your life to Him? 
Have you confessed Him as your Lord, as your Savior? And are you pursuing a relationship with Him? Amen. If not, I'm just telling you, I urge you to do it. Because the sand in the hourglass, that top glass is not full. He's coming to the end. Look at verse 18. On him is not condemned. But he that believes not is condemned already. They're condemned already. Now why? Because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. This is, this is the judgment. This is why. That light has come into the world. And people loved darkness more than light. This judgment falls and the full weight of God's wrath and anger is poured out again upon the world. It will be just. It will be deserving. Why? Because salvation and offered to the world. Amen. There is a way out of the curse and sin and death and darkness. But people reject it, not because they don't know. Not because they need a little bit more evidence that there's a God. That's a farce. The very fact that you're breathing is all the evidence you ought to need. That there's a God. I've been doing good. I'm going to keep myself out of trouble this morning. But I mean, it's just small, small mindedness. To think that we crawled up out of a pond millions of years ago. We've slowly evolved and gotten more better till we got to this glory. No, things are, no, that, no, no. Science doesn't prove that. You were created. There was a potter and you'd be the clay. <laughs> you were made. You were formed. You were fashioned gloriously in your mother's womb by God Almighty who loved you and authored your life. And you are accountable to Him. And to reject Him, anyone that does that is worthy of hell. Why? Because in the light of the goodness of God and the love of God and the generosity of God and the mercy of God who gave His only Son to pay your debt to turn and reject Him because you like porn and you like drinking and you like sleeping around and you like gossiping and being negative and robbing and stealing and being the own boss of your life. You'll be deserving. You're condemned already unless you repent and turn and throw yourself at the feet of God Almighty and ask Him to forgive you and to cleanse you. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm not going to have anybody's blood on my hand on Judgment Day. People, you could see it. Why is the world getting darker? Well, because Satan. Satan's always Satan. People love darkness. Amen. You just open the door and cook a good hot dog. And you'll have 100,000 people in a stadium. 
And they'll stay there for hours and they'll paint stuff on their chest and go wild in the rain and in the cold in the sleet for a game. A strong word and spirit church of over 300 people, man, you, you are shooting the moon. People love darkness. They, they love greed. They love selfishness. They love self-gratification. They love, uh, you know, being rebellious and breaking the rules. They, 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 and they turn from God to embrace darkness. And then they want to get mad at God for putting them in a place of darkness. That dog ain't going to hunt. As they say in Kentucky. That just dog, that dog's not going to hunt. Amen. So look at verse 20. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light. They hate the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. That's why they don't want to come to church. Because there's light being shined in this church. There's light being shined. And they don't want their hypocrisy exposed. They don't want their immorality exposed. They don't want their agenda exposed. So they stay away. And some people, they think, well, I'm going to stay away till a little bit older, sow some wild oats, and then I'll... Oh. I, don't, I don't know how many people I've seen have done their funerals. And they never, they never, they never had that moment. Mm-mm-mm. It's like God bought me a lot of sin credit by sinning Jesus. I'm going, to not, I'm going to spend it all. I mean, that's just foolishness. It's foolishness. Destroy yourself. It says in verse 21, But he that doeth the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought or worked in God. 2 Corinthians, that's over to the right. And uh, I see the time on the clock, so we'll, we'll wind this down. Y'all all right? Yes. You know, statistically speaking, in North America, that's... that's uh, Part of Mexico, that's the United States, it's all of Canada. There's a study done that 94%, I think, 94% of people under 30 years old, 94% of them are not saved. Jesus, 94%. Only 6%. It's the lowest percentage of that age group to not know the Lord in any generation since they've been keeping track. So if you encounter a 30 or so or younger person out there, you just need to assume they're on their way to hell. And you better be looking and praying for an opportunity to get that young one by the shoulders and tell them the truth while they have time. Because they hadn't heard it. They hadn't heard it. Parents, you know, their parents are, you know, uh, their grandparents are probably children of the, you know, of the sex revolution. And they're like three generations Removed from Sunday school and Bible knowledge, they have no idea. That's not their fault. I said, that's not their fault. But who's going to tell them? Somebody better tell them. Sweetie, there is a God and you're not Him. And He made you and He has expectations. 
and you blew it just like I did and you need a savior. Yes, sir. Who's that going to be? Amen. Amen. And if they blow you off and shun you, just go on about your good self. But at least you told them. At least you told them. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look at verse number 17. Therefore, if any man or any... That's that's not gender. That's any human. If any person be in Christ, he is a what? A new creature, a new creation. That's what it means to be saved. Jesus called it born again. See, that spirit that you are, sin has made it dead unto God and you're separated from God. And the only way back is to get that sin debt off your ledger. You can't do that by being a good person. That just doesn't do it. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And being a good person isn't death. The price, you know, it's like, oh, I like that. I want that. Well, it costs this. Well, I don't want to pay that. I want to pay something. I'm sorry, dude. It costs this. And people want to say, oh, yeah, I know I sinned. I made a lot of mistakes. But I want the price for it to be me trying really hard. Sorry. That's not the cost. The cost is death. Yours. That's the cost. Pay it. You're free to do it. Pay your, pay your debt. Or get someone qualified to pay it for you. That's, that's it. And if you meet physical death with that debt on your book, you'll pay it. And it will cost you your eternity to do so. But for those of us who have turned to the Lord and have confessed our faith in Jesus, in that very moment, the Holy Ghost came right into your spirit and we're alive unto God. We're made alive unto God. We are born again. We are born again. And we don't have anything to brag about. But all, the, only thing different, but the only difference between a saint and a sinner, you, don't, you know, saint and sinner, is not, you don't, that difference is not behavior. A lot of sinners figured that out because a lot of saints don't have good behavior. And that's sad. But a saint is not a saint because of good behavior. And a sinner is not a sinner because of bad behavior. The difference is this group, the saints, have accepted and confessed Jesus and taken his their own and have been born of the Spirit. And now, now they are in the family of God. They might be bad little children, but they are in the family of God. Amen? Amen. The sinner is created by God, but they have this sin debt and they have not yet accepted Jesus as their substitute. And therefore, they have no approach to God. They have no covenant with God. God is not their father. He has, there's nothing but judgment coming unless and until there's repentance and salvation. That's why you shouldn't call yourself a sinner if you're born again. You know, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you were a sinner, but you're now saved by grace and now you're born again. You're a new creation in Christ. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Now, as a new creature, as a Christian who, who has now been born again, we're members of the church. 
And now we should stand as a restraining force against evil in our day. Through our prayer life, through using the name of Jesus, by praying in the Spirit, by taking our place of authority against the devil. They say, oh, the devil's taking over everything. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's not taking me over. Because I'm in the body of Christ. So are you, right? He can't take me over. He's not going to take this church over. We're supposed to be a restraining force. Another way you're a restraining force against evil is by living your faith unapologetically in front of people. Live your faith unapologetically in front of people. I was preaching in Oklahoma City last month or this earlier this month and we all went to the restaurant after. Faith was there, Pastor Dan, my dad, Cheryl, some other. We, we left, we're just having a good time talking about the Lord eating our Mexican food. And we left and I had this lady, she's not with us, but she, she left. I'm in the same parking lot going and her car must be near mine. But every few seconds I would hear this word, disgusting. I didn't think anything about it. I didn't know she was talking to me. But she kept saying it. And she had her box of leftover food, you know. And as she goes to her car, and we were, we were parked right next to each other. And she goes, disgusting. And I, I'm, that's the first time I made eye contact with her. And I said, was the food that bad? That's what I said. I, I didn't know she was talking about me. I said, was the food that bad? She goes, you. Your organization is disgusting. And I just went, I don't even know what I did. I just skipped onto the car like, well. What, what did I do? What did we do to get that? Well, this world, you know what they preach? Tolerance. The left. They're tolerant. They're the most intolerant people you ever met. I'm not talking about people who have left-leaning uh, ideologies and ideas about things. I'm talking about a, there's a part of what we sometimes call the left. They're not tolerant. What did we do? We enjoyed our food. We talked. We talked about missions. We talked about overseas. We talked about what God's doing in Pakistan. We talked about Jesus. And for that, we get disgusting. Had I told some dirty jokes and passed around some pornography pictures, they'd probably celebrated us, you know, whatever. But you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm sorry she had that reaction. I'm not changing. I'm not changing. I'm going to live my faith in front of people. I'm not going to say glory to God only in the church house. Right? I'm going to carry my Bible with me. Amen. I'm not going to try to hide it. Yeah. What you read? Uh, just a book. No, 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 no. We got nothing to be ashamed of. That's right. You ought to say, sit down here a minute and I'll show you what I'm reading. We need to, that's the way we're a restraining force in this earth through our prayer life, but then unapologetically living your faith. In now, the third thing, the last thing I'll say about how we can be a restraining force against evil in the world is to hold uncompromisingly to the truths of God's Word. Yes. The Bible says in Timothy that the church is the...
and the mainstay of the truth. Listen, the church is the only hope for anyone in the world that is halfway interested in knowing what's true. And if we drink the Kool-Aid to please the world, we twist the Scriptures. We act like certain Scriptures aren't in there. We don't preach the whole counsel of God's Word. We get fluffy and cotton candy in our preaching, in our teaching, in our living, the Word of God. There won't be a truth out there for anyone to know and see. We are the guardians of. We are born of a spirit called the spirit of truth. Jesus, our Lord, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we are His body, and we must uncompromisingly live, preach, teach, advocate for, vote for the truth of God's Word. By doing that, the church is a restraining force against evil in the world. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Would you close your heads? Close your heads. Did I say that? Close your head. No. Bow your head. Close. Anybody want to be me? Praise God. Anyway, close your eyes.